Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. It was the shortest job I ever had. It was 2011, right around this time of the year. And a good friend of mine said, Derek, I got a summer job for you. I was like, uh, I kind of got something, you know, in the works. And he goes, no, you got to have this job. He goes, it's going to be 15 bucks an hour, which right now is kind of laughable, right? 15 bucks an hour is like, cool, if you want to go scoop cow poop, you can get 15 bucks an hour. But this, at this time, minimum wage was 7 bucks, 7.25 in 2011. So 15 bucks an hour was like primo cash for a 16-year-old. I had my license. I could get there. I was like, this is what we're going to do. He goes, you can make your own hours. This is a slam dunk job. Sweet, sign me up. Show up to the place, and this particular job prioritized in selling cutlery. Knives. I heard, oh my goodness, you guys know where this is going, right? I show up the first day, and they're like, hey guys, welcome to, I'm not going to say the company name because they're a great company, but... This is a great place to work. You're going to get 15 bucks an hour. You get to make your own schedule. And here's the deal. We offer incentives for you. So if you sell this many things, you get this really sweet iPod dock. And yes, I know I'm dating myself here because iPod docks are now a thing of the past, right? An iPod dock. Whoa, that's awesome. And then, you know, if you sell this many, you get like a brand new iPhone 4 yeah okay and if you sell this many we'll buy you a car and i'm like oh this is the greatest job ever this is fantastic i can do that i can sell that many that's not that many and so like i I, we sit down and so the first whole day it's just all about like here are the here are the knives how we make them and why they're great and and here's what you could win here's what you could do and i'm like this is the greatest job ever i'm gonna love this and then day two happens And they go through the HR stuff, and they go, all right, so here's what we're going to do. I want you guys all to go into separate rooms. I want you to take a notebook, piece of paper, and a pen, and write down every single person that you want to, like, go and set up a meeting with to try and sell these knives. They sent us out for 15 minutes, and I came back. I had two names on my piece of paper, my dad and my aunt and uncle. I was like, maybe this is going to be a little tougher than I thought. As it would happen... I call my aunt and uncle and give the worst, and I mean the worst sales pitch of my life. I'm like, I'm like tripping over my words. I can't speak well. It's terrible. And so I was like, all right, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through my presentation in person tonight. And so I I go home. I have all of my knives. They give you a nice little pop can where you cut the pop can. You've seen this before, right? Look at this knife. And, And I'm like looking at my piece of paper and And afterwards, I was like, Dad, what do you think? And he goes, quit. (laughs) Quit. I was like, are you, like, like, he he didn't say it in those words, but I was like, Dad, like, like, how is it? He goes, like, it was all right. I was like, okay, be honest with me. He goes, Derek, it was bad. Like, it was bad. Like, you are not a salesman. And normally, like, as a 16-year-old, like, that would, like, crush you. But, like, he was right. He, I, I was terrible. I, I was an awful, awful salesman. I will never forget that because I went to my boss the next day and I was like, um, 
yeah, dude, like, I'm, I'm going to have to quit. Like, he goes, you know it's day three, right? I was like, yeah. He goes, why are you quitting? He goes, well, I'm just not good at this. And he goes, I think you are. And I was like, no, like, my dad's an actual salesman. He said I'm terrible. So then, so then he calls my dad and tries to convince my dad that I'm a salesman. And my dad goes, no, you don't understand. He's bad. And I'm, I'm listening to this. Like, this is like, thanks, dad. Thanks for the bone of confidence. But like, secretly I was relieved because I was like, this would have been the worst summer job. I would have made like 10 bucks. Somebody would have just said, hey, I'm not going to buy knives, but just please leave me alone. Here's 10 bucks. <laughs> I was not a salesman. I still to this day am not a salesman. Like, If, if you are a, a pushy salesman, odds are I'm just not going to gel with you because I just I can't put myself in that context. And I struggle with that for so long because what happens is a lot of times it feels like when I was younger and when I, when I was earlier in my faith that I had this crazy, crazy experience with Jesus. God was just moving in my life and God was doing so many really, really cool things. And I wanted so desperately for my friends and my family to come be a part of it with me. I wanted them to come to church with me. I wanted them to be a part of what I was experiencing. But it felt like I had to be a salesman. Like, hey, if you come to church, we have this really cool thing here and a really cool thing here. I'll even buy you lunch after if you want to come. I'm, I'm trying all these different sales tactics to get them to church. And I hated that because I wasn't a salesman. Like, please come to church with me. Please, please come to church with me. Like, I, I, I was not good at it at all. And I struggled with that for so long because I wasn't a salesman. Yet we find in the Bible that Jesus told his disciples and tells us that we're supposed to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, which is just translated or just quite simply means go out into your world and tell people about Jesus. Show them how to live for Jesus. And if you're not a salesman, it can feel like, well, I'm not good at that. But I'm relieved to know that the disciples weren't salesmen either. Yet we find that they followed this calling to the nth degree. Acts chapter 3, we find this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, but Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. But then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What a sweet story. This man was sitting right by the gate. He couldn't physically walk. And the text says he was lame, which just basically means he was paralyzed. That's why he was carried to the temple gate. And this is shortly after Peter and John and all the disciples watched Jesus resurrect, come have this moment, ascend into heaven. They had this crazy moment, like I talked about last week, where they were praying, and all of a sudden God just filled them, and they, and they shared a huge sermon, and 3,000 people came to know. And the very next day we find this happening. 
But so much of what the Bible says, you have to understand of what's also not being written and what's not happening. Because there's so many subtle things about this story that are integral to the whole component. This man was sitting outside of the temple, which was like a church. These guys, Peter and John, were on the way to the temple to pray. They were on their way for their daily time of prayer at the temple. And here is this man who can't walk. He's lame. And I want us to understand and look at what they didn't do before we talk about what they did. They saw this man who was lame, who was sitting out in front of the temple by himself. What did they not do? They didn't walk right past him. They didn't just write him off. But do you know who did? Other people going to the temple? He was out in front of the temple gate. It says like he had been every single day, yet no one had really done anything about it. We see a, a similar story about the Good Samaritan. You might have heard that or just floating around. You're like, oh, that person's a Good Samaritan. Where does that come from? There's a story in the Bible of a man who's hurt and who's on the side of the road, who's in a lot of pain, just like this man was. And we find all these priests and these Levites, these super holy religious people, walk by and not interact with him. Why? Because if they touched him, they would be ceremonially unclean. But here are Peter and John. On their way to church, what did they not do? They didn't walk right past him when they had a right to. What did they not do? They didn't just flip him a quarter and say, hey, good luck, man. What did they not do? They didn't just say, hey, like, I'll pray for you on my way to the temple. See you later. And then go this way. What did they not do? Just ignore the man. What did they do? They got down at his eye level and said, hey, I don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. What would possess them to do that? What would possess them to think they could just lean down, touch the man, say, hey, um, have you ever tried walking before? Let's try it. What would possess them to do something like this? This man named Jesus that they had spent the last three years with did this very same thing we see all throughout the new testament throughout the gospels jesus healed a man who was paralyzed who was lower down on the thing there was a man who was blind two different men who were blind in two different instances jesus prays for him and says open up your eyes and they could see jesus healed this man who was a leper which is like cancer back in the day if you were a leper you weren't even allowed to like be in the vicinity of people because it was so contagious and if you touched a leper you were like unclean for life But Jesus goes right in there and says, hey, um, I'm going to heal you and touches the man and heals him. The disciples call themselves throughout the book of Acts witnesses. Why would they do that? Because a witness by definition is an individual who personally sees or perceives a thing to happen. An eyewitness is another just word for a witness. These men had seen with their own eyes Jesus do all these amazing things. With their own eyes, they had seen Jesus do the impossible. And so now, they were no longer operating under what they thought they should do. They were operating on what they've seen before. That's why they got down. That's why they said, um, let's walk. 
because they had seen Jesus do the same thing. And Jesus himself said, all authority on heaven I give to you. They had witnessed Jesus interact with people. Jesus was notorious for this. Jesus was so, so against the grain of what everybody else did. When everybody else would walk past the man, just like they did on the way to the temple, Jesus would get down on their level with compassion and empathy and say, "Um, hey, I see you. I know who you are. I know you've been passed over. I know it feels like you're, you're hopeless, but you know what? I want to meet your need. I want to be there for you. I'm going to pray for you right now, and you're going to be healed. Jesus operated with compassion and empathy. Jesus did the impossible over and over and over and over again. We see Jesus defying the laws of physics, the laws of biology, the laws of science. Jesus was notorious for making impossible things possible. They witnessed God of the universe intervening in the lives of individual people. I would dare say Jesus was the most important, busy person of anyone that's ever walked the earth. Yet we find over and over and over again, he stopped for the individual. He stopped for the person that needed him over and over again. And that is what we find Peter and John doing. They were witnesses to what Jesus did. They were witnesses to the action because they gave him a model. Jesus gave them a model of how to love, how to act, how to behave, and how to represent God in all that they did. The salesmen weren't, the the witnesses were not salesmen. They were witnesses. They didn't have to try and twist things and present things. All they had to do was just tell the story. Do the same things that Jesus had done for them. And so I love, love, love this story because Jesus sends them and says, Hey, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He fills them with the Holy Spirit and just says, Go. There was no formal training process. There was no two-hour HR class. It's like, here's how I want you to reach people. He just said, I'm going up into heaven. Go. And you can, we can see the confusion. We can see all the stuff that happens. But they pray. They receive the Holy Spirit. And then they go. And all they have to go off of is what they knew for the last three years. And shocker, it worked. It worked in a powerful way. So now what? If you've been here with us for the last three weeks, we've been talking about the church. If you're brand new here, uh, I've been the pastor here for about a month now. And so we've just been talking about what is the future of our church? Where are we going? What are we going to do? There's always this question of, um, so now what's going to happen? And we've talked all about the things I want to do, the things I want to see in the church, all this good stuff. We've talked about our new vision. We've talked about the infrastructure of how we can grow as believers, as a church, uh, as a community. We talked last week all about the importance of just being together. In community, but today I would say I saved the best for last. Perhaps the greatest thing that we're going to have to do as a church, which is taking the light of the world to where it's needed the most, taking Jesus outside of these walls, which is already there, but taking our story out into our world. Because the disciples. They had it made, let's be honest. Let's just, let's just rewind for a second. The disciples had it made. 
The disciples knew Jesus. They had these awesome, crazy stories and memories with them. They knew where they were going if they died. They knew that they believed in Jesus. They knew if they were just to die right then and there, they were going to heaven. They were going to spend eternity with him. They had everything made. They could have just kicked up their feet, relaxed, and said, Ah, man, we can go on cruise control and call it good. But instead, we find them going into places that are hostile, places that are not friendly, places that are very resistant to God, very resistant to Jesus, very resistant to really anything. And here they go and walking in like, hey, I got to tell you something. It was not easy. It was not necessarily just safe even. Yet we find them going into these places time and time again. And why would they do that? Because God had told them, hey, I need you to go. You still have heaven regardless, but I need you to go. We got a job to do. We got people to meet, people to do things. And so all throughout the book of Acts, I highly, highly encourage you to go look at it. Because all through Acts, we see the disciples, these these fairly timid, fragile guys all the way through the Gospels. In the book of Acts, they just go into everywhere in the world with power and conviction and boldness. And it's such a cool story to read. And that is why I've drawn on it because really what's next for the bridge church is just following the model of Acts. We have the game plan we need. We don't have to go and find the secret recipe that no one else is doing. The Bible has it right here. That is our game plan of where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And I'm so, so excited for it because how do we know what's next for the Bridge Church? How do we want to know what's going on? Friends, I believe that this church is going to grow from the inside out. I believe that our community is going to be impacted and touched by Jesus. I really, really believe that. And everything we've talked up to this point is all about how we can grow for ourselves to do that. But guess what, guys? God is trusting us, trusting you, trusting me to take his message into the world. There's not going to be a big floating billboard that just shows up in St. Francis saying, hey, give yourselves to Jesus. We are that billboard. I love this line from a pastor I highly admire and respect. He goes, so many people pray for a move of God, but we are the move of God. God's called us. God's using us. God's put cool things in our life to go and make an impact in the world. So instead of praying God move in our community, maybe God show me how to move. Because that is how our community is going to be impacted. That is where our focus is going to be. Our focus is growing in here so that we can not just grow in here, but we can shine out there. I see our church as a charging port so that our flashlight can shine brightly outside in the darkness. That is why our church exists. We need to grow in here, because if we're not growing in here, we can't shine out there. But if we only shine in here, we're just going to light this place up, and nothing's ever going to shine in the world. It's both. It's growth in here and growth out there. So how do we do that? It's all great, but how do we do it? I got four points for you. I went outside the pastoral norm today. Three payments of $19.99 will give you three points and a bonus point. I might lose my credentials tomorrow. How do we reach our community? See a need and fill it. Meet it. James and John saw the need. 
They saw a man who was in need of physical healing. They saw a man who was in need of a touch from God. They saw that need, and they could have just walked right on by because they were on their way to church. I can't deal with this right now. I'm on the way to worship Jesus. I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to go spend time with God. Careful. Because God's all about people. He cares about people. And there are times as a pastor, I've just just got so just in my rhythm of doing things that I, I feel like God just kind of says, um, Derek, people. People are the most important thing. A lot of people say, hey, can, you, can, you, can we talk about something? I know you're super, super busy. And my response is always, nothing's more important than this conversation right now. Because people are the most important thing. Jesus was about people. See a need and fill it. We've gotten really good at drive-by needs meeting. What do I mean by that? Um, you need help with, with, with something at your house? Um, I'm super busy, but let me give you a phone number of someone who might be able to help you. Um, you, know, you, you need some money? Um, I don't have anything on me right now, but um, um, maybe we can connect later, right? Like We're really good at, at being super, super busy, and the needs meeting kind of just gets put on the back burner. Or, hey, um, I'll, yeah, like, I'll maybe help you with that. Just, just let me know when it is again. And then we just forget about it. And then all of a sudden it goes past and it happens without us. We need to get good at not just seeing the need, but meeting it. Because what happens is if you go so long without meeting needs, you stop, you stop seeing them. We get so busy just focusing on what we have to accomplish that we don't realize that there's so much other stuff out here that we can't see that I think God's calling us to do. There are plenty of people all around you in your community, in your office, in your home. There are people all around you that have needs. Physical needs, emotional needs, financial needs, and spiritual needs. And I understand we can't always meet them exactly how they need to be met, but we can always play a part in that. God's calling us to be willing to meet those needs because we can do the natural and God can do the super. He can do the supernatural. We, but we have to be willing to do the natural. What I love about this story of Peter and John, John is they didn't have the power in themselves. It wasn't that Peter and John were just gifted with this innate power in their hands. Like Iron Man, where they're like, hey, be healed. And then heal the man. No. God was working through them. God was the one who made the man walk. He was the one who made the guy get up from being paralyzed. He was the one. But in order to do that, the two disciples had to stop and be willing to pray with the man in order for the supernatural to happen. They did the natural. He did the super. So we need to be willing to do the natural things that God's calling us to do. We can't fix the marriage that might be going astray, but we can listen to the one who's going it. We might not be able to pull that person out of financial hardship, but we might be able to talk to some of our friends who are looking for job for, for employees. We can't always know the answers that someone's dying to know, but we can pray with them to try and find the answers. You see what's happening here? We can do very natural things. And give an opportunity for God to do very miraculous things. But we need to be willing to see that need and need it. As a church, what does that look like? 
We have loved having, you, you probably haven't noticed this, but for the last five months or so, uh, one Tuesday every month, uh, this awesome thing through our school district called Lunch Bunch meets here in our building, right? Like, we don't, we don't find the need to broadcast that because really they do everything. We have a fantastic school district, but they were in need of a building, and we could provide that building. Really easy. The only thing I'm doing here on Tuesday is practicing my gaga ball in the back, so it's perfect. That's a joke. Don't worry. Some of you guys are like, you're full-time and you practice gaga ball? Not on Tuesdays. Subbing. Our school district desperately needs substitute teachers. It's simple. I have a degree. I was like, you know what? There's a lot going on, but there's needs in our community. We can sub. We can do things. And so if you see me at the school district, sometimes that's why, because I want to be able to help. We're going to be meeting with our new superintendent when they get into town and asking, what do you need? How can we get behind the school district? There are so many things I want to do. Uh, Pioneer days. Monica, our kids pastor, she is a fantastic, fantastic person. She's she's doing stuff with the chamber. She's organizing pioneer days. And she's like, hey, um, do we have anybody? Because we have like four volunteers. I was like, for what day? She goes, no, four volunteers for the whole thing. We need people. I was like, well, we have a lot of people. Maybe we can pitch in and do something. There are small, practical things. But if we are willing to say as a church, hey, you have a need. Um, I, I, I have a lot going on, but I want to help meet your need. It speaks volumes. Because we're about community. People will see you acting and serving before they will hear you talking about anything else. Uh, Last week, I talked about my dream for the future is to have a building. Why is that? It's not just that we can have bigger offices, fancier lights, and go, hey, we got a building. When I think of a building in St. Francis, here's what I picture. I picture a place that's right in town. A place that when people are driving by, and they're in their car, and they're at their lowest of the lows, and they drive past a church building with the lights on, and they wander in, they might have somebody to talk to just to give them just one last ounce of hope, the turning point of their life. When I think about our building, I think about the fact that I would love to have offices in the back, offices in the back that are going to be reserved for mental health specialists, because mental health is a priority in our community. And when I think about our building, you can clap for that. It's his dream, not mine. I think about, I want offices in the back where we can have things like celebrate recovery, addiction specialists. We can have classes where people can come and and figure out how to have some help parenting. When I think about our building, I think about a massive youth area because right now, when students walk out of class, they have one of two options. Go to McDonald's or go somewhere else. And somewhere else is not always a great place because there's a lot of things that somewhere else can do that maybe not aren't the best for our youth. When I think about a building, I don't think about an ego booster. I think about we can meet so many needs so practically in our community and our church is going to be a lighthouse in the dark. That is why I want a building. Because we can meet needs on such a deeper, wider level. And that is why we're going after a building. So we can meet needs. Not us. Him. We will do the natural. He will do the super. Number two. Tell 
your story. If you want to reach your community, we got to meet needs. We also got to tell your story. After this man was healed, he's jump, we, we, we read, he was jumping, he's praising God, he's going crazy, everyone's going, uh, I'm, wasn't that the guy who was sitting there, and now he's over there, and now he's like ripping his shirt off over there, and like, what's going on? How, how, how did this happen? They go up to Peter and John, how did you do that? What, what, how, what, are, are you, are you a wizard? Are you a sorcerer? How did you do that? And Peter and John just said, wasn't us. The man named Jesus that y'all put on the cross came back to life, is resurrected, and can do the miraculous, can do fantastic things. And he's available to you as well. They were witnesses. They saw with their own eyes what Jesus did, and all they had to do is just tell, as a witness tells, what they saw. They weren't salesmen. They weren't storytellers. They were witnesses. They saw what Jesus did, and they told the story. And I love what it says in Acts chapter 3. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. He just lets him have it. (laughs) He's like, this is Jesus. But what's so cool is in this moment, so many people said, I see now. And something we see all throughout the book of Acts is, and that day more were added to their number. More people believed when they told this story. How do we reach our community? We need to rub shoulders with other people so we can tell them our story. You have a story, and your story is unique. You grew up this way. This happened to you in this life. This was the good, the bad, and the ugly. But here's how Jesus met me here. Tell your story. Because guess what? There are people in this world right now who don't know Jesus personally, who are struggling in their faith. But when they hear your story and how Jesus was there for you and what that looked like, it's going to inspire them that maybe, just maybe, they can experience the same thing. There's a reason that I don't dress up in robes with a collar. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing. But there's a reason this pastor wears jeans and dude shoes on Sunday morning at church. Why? Because I am who I am. I'm the guy who yells at the wild when they're choking on game six. I'm the guy who's super upset when our Minnesota sports teams let us down again. I'm the guy who likes to run and do the things that I do. I am a normal human being who's in love with Jesus. And that is the importance. That's why, if you want to know why I think that Jesus chose the 12 guys that he did, it wasn't because they were the most qualified. It wasn't because they were the brightest. It wasn't because they had the most admirable qualities. It's because they were normal dudes who were willing to follow. And that is what was required. Because it's one thing... You know what? If I went into our community and was like, hey guys, everyone listen to me, then people would be like, who the heck are you? Right? But when you are interacting normally and doing who you are normally and you tell your story, they will listen. Tell your story because it's a good one. And your story is yours for a reason.
tell your story. Number three, be willing to get messy. God says that he is the great shepherd. He says people who to, to talk about Jesus are, are shepherd. Can I tell you something? Um, sheep are smelly. They're dirty, right? Life gets messy. Life gets crazy. Like you, you will find yourself in the midst of a situation as you try and go and do things or go and try and meet people where they're at. It's going to get messy. You're going to get roped into things you don't want to get roped into. You're going to be in the middle of the situation that you didn't want to be a part of, but that is okay because that's where we're called to be. We are called to be exactly where God puts us, regardless of how messy it gets. In Acts chapter 4, we see the disciples are doing it. They're talking about Jesus. They're, they're, they're getting up. They're preaching their messages. People are getting saved. The church is growing. Life is great. But in Acts chapter 4, the guys who killed Jesus said, um, no, no, you're not going to be talking about him no longer. They bring him before a trial. And they say, you will stop preaching this right now or else. And they said, okay, bring it on. Bring it on. We're not scared. And what happens is the church, the 12, ended up being like this. After that meeting, they split. They they were like, we're going to divide and conquer so we don't, you know, get in trouble here. They split. And it says they were scattered, but then we find out that's when the church multiplied. Because when they went to all the, all the different places, they all reached different people. Things will get messy. As we try to reach our community, people are going to try and stop us in our tracks. They're going to try and say, you can't do that here. As we try and pursue a building, we're probably going to run into some different permit issues. We're probably going to figure out there are people who are going to try and accuse us of certain things, accuse me of certain things. There will naturally be opposition to any good thing that God's calling us to do. It's a part of it. It's a part of life. It's a part of spiritual warfare. The enemy that we are fighting against is not happy when good things are happening in the name of Jesus. But guess what? That's meant to happen, and we win. So it's important for us to be willing to get messy, be willing to get put in the middle of things. Why? Because in the darkest places, the light shines the brightest. It will get messy. But as we go forward in the name of Jesus, things will begin to happen. Breakthrough will begin to take place. Chains will begin to fall off. But we need to stay anchored. Guys, I have never ever, 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 ever experienced like just things in the, in the last month. I, I, I've, I've experienced things in ministry in the last month and I have never experienced in the last five years. Good, bad, and ugly. But what's happened is it's forced me to go right back to the source. Because when you're in the middle of the mess, when you're in the middle of the stuff, you need Jesus just as much as they do. And it forces us to not fight with our sword in our arm, but to fight on our knees and say, Jesus, help. Jesus, come. Jesus, do. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That is where we find our strength. And then number four, how do we reach our community? We got to think outwardly. This is not about a church in now then. This is not about a church in St. Francis. This is about the church in the world. 
I am so thankful for our former senior pastor, Chris. He was all about this. A church our side should never do the things that have happened. We should never be able to have planted many different churches and do many different things. And it's because Chris saw the need. But it also happened because our church rallied behind that. And the church did what only you could do. But this is not just about the bridge church in now then St. Francis area. This is about the bridge church being a part of the big C church, the church in the world. I love, this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Jesus is the answer, not just for this moment and for the, the crisis we're in right now. He is that too, but he is the need. He is the answer when we pass on from this world to the next. It's not a matter of here's your good, here's your bad. It's a matter of do you believe in Jesus, yes or no? Because that is the litmus test. That is the barrier between heaven and hell. That is the answer right there. But I think, well, how many people don't even know that? How can they choose Jesus they don't even know who he is? How can they know if no one's telling them? This verse challenges me so, so much because it forces me to think bigger. There are people in our community that don't even know what the Bible is. But not just that. There are people around the world who don't know what the Bible is. Take one step farther. There are people around the world who if they're caught with the Bible are immediately executed. If they utter the name of Jesus, it's, it, it, it's, it's grounds for death on the spot. So how in the world are they supposed to choose Jesus? How in the world can they possibly do that if that's what they're up against? And that church is why we need to get on board. That is why we need to say, you know what? God's called us for bigger things. God's called us to do some really, really awesome things. We got to get in the game. We got to think outwardly. And I am so excited to share this part because God has dropped a massive, massive dream in my heart that not a whole lot of people know about. Can I just tell you guys, the youth of this church are absolutely amazing. Let me tell you something. Two years ago, I said, hey guys, the same thing. We got to think bigger. We got to think about missions. We got to think about people in the world outside of these walls that need him. We got to think bigger. She said, all right, Derek, let's go after it. We do this thing called Speed Delight, which is a missions organization. We raise money for, for missions, and all of it goes right into the mission field, whether it's human trafficking, water wells, uh, meals through Convoy of Hope. It's all this great stuff. Two years ago, they said, all right, we're going to do it, and they raised $4,000. Sweet. But guess what happened last year? I said the same thing. I said, we need to think bigger. We need to think more outwardly. They went from $4,000 in 2020. Do you know what they did in 2021? 
$17,640. You students, why? Because they saw the need. They saw the need for people in the world that don't know Jesus. They saw the need of people who are oppressed, people that are being abused eight times a day down in Las Vegas. They saw and could empathize that as a 13-year-old, they're worried about going to football games and and, and certain things, but there are 13-year-olds in the world that are being groomed and put in nasty situations all over the world, and they knew they could do something. They knew they could give up something. They could sell something, and they knew they could make a difference in the world. And they did it. And this year I'm sitting down in Bloomington in February. And I was thinking about what a great year we had and all the cool stuff we did. And I felt God say, Derek, I have a dream for you. Whatever he says, that's kind of scary. Because God gives big dreams. What if the bridge were to do a water well? Derek, what if the bridge were to be responsible for a water well down in Kenya? We're going to talk a lot more about this, but the more I look into the water crisis, the more it absolutely breaks my heart. 2,000 kids per day in our world are dying because of unclean water. Per day. The water that they get is the water that's being used for the cattle to poop and pee and for them to, to wash. The sewage lines down in Kenya run right through the water lines and they're all intermixed and it's nasty. The water they get looks like the floor you have your feet on. And so when he said, I want our youth to go after a water well, I said, that's insane. Do you know why? Because 17640 bucks was a record-breaking year by a long shot. A water well... It's 35,000. Our youth are going, whew. But do you know what I love about it? They're like, all right, let's go after it. <laughs> They're ready. Why? Because they don't see the how yet, but they see the need. They don't know how they're going to get there. They don't know how they're going to do it, but they know they got to do it. And so as I told them this, I said, you know what, guys? You're not doing this alone. Our church is with you. Our church is behind you. So how do we reach the world? I want our church to be a church that's about missions. A church that is about things outside of these walls, outside of this community. Because as we continue to look outwardly, God's going to take care of the inward. So very practically, what does that look like? We have a missions fund within our budget where we support missionaries and and do all these types of things, and we're going to continue to do that. But the more and more we go, the more and more I'm going to start allocating more and more to missions so that other people can be sent into the world to help people with Jesus. And I am so, so excited about it. So this morning, I made a promise that I would get you guys out of here on time, even though I'm passionate about this type of stuff. I'm already three minutes behind, but... There's no more important thing of where the church is going than what our vision is. And my vision for this church is that we are a church that grows internally and externally. 
I want nothing more than for your neighbors, for our community members to know God, to know Jesus, to know the hope that they can put their faith in their foundations. I want nothing more for them to experience Jesus in a real tangible way. I want nothing more. But I also want nothing more than for you to experience the same. For you to experience God in your situation, in your context, in a very real way. It's not either or, it's both and. We're going to grow closer to him and we're going to reach out. And the more we do it, the more they're both going to encourage each other. So you pray with me this morning. God, I love that what your word says is that if we want to be a part of what you're doing, if we want to be a part of the family of believers, if we want to be, just know you. God, Romans 10 says, God, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead, God, that we have you. So this morning... God, for the person in this place who just wants to make things right with Jesus, who wants to be a part of what's going on, God, I pray that they would understand all they have to do is say, Jesus, I've made some mistakes in my life. I'm not perfect. But would you forgive me? I believe in you, Jesus. And when you believe that, you're accepted, you're loved, you know Jesus. But God, for the rest of us in this place, There are some big dreams you've set forth. There are some things, God, that you're doing and you're shaking and you're you're moving in our church. And God, we're excited for it. But God, I just pray that today we would know it's not about perfection. It's about presence. It's not about trying to do all the right things. It's about just being obedient to what you're calling us to do. So God, in this place, I pray that whatever it is we're called to do as we walk out these doors, the people we're supposed to touch, the lives we're supposed to live, I pray, God, that you would be at the center. Lord, I pray that above anything else, this church would just be anchored on you. If nothing else, God, if we had nothing else to show for it, God, I just pray that this church would unequivocally be just built and found on you. Because that's where our strength is, Jesus. Lord, would you do a new work in us? Would you do a new work in our church? We're excited for what you want to do. We give ourselves in this church to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.